don't know about you guys, but that intro always gets me just a little bit hype. Welcome back. We are the Walking Well Podcast, and it's episode eight. We're talking about loving your body this month, and it's been so, 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 so good. Um, so far, you've heard from myself. Um, Ella Duggan has spoken. Sonora Noble has talked about her Live to See My Generations campaign. And it's just been so rich and so fulfilling to have um, amazing women come do this thing, you know, and, and talk it out and, and discuss how they got to love their bodies, steward- stewarding it well um, and embracing who they are. And so week eight, episode eight, um, is going to be a nice little end cap, I think. Um, to this whole month that's been dedicated to helping women embrace the bodies that God has gifted them with, and they are gifts, right? So um, if you've noticed, if you've been keeping up with us this month, um, each of our topics have had something in common. Um, Sonora talked from, you know, the wellness perspective. Ella talked about finding that her body, um, had purpose and that made it significant and important and really helped her love her body. Um, and I sort of just talked about coming out from hating my body to really embracing it and the, the practical steps that I took to get there. Um, but for all of us, the way that we perceived our body, the way that we saw it, how we liked it or disliked it all started with our thought life, right? It all started with our thoughts. Um, and, First John 3, um, Paul's writing a letter and he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And, you know, our soul is our thinker, our feeler, and our chooser. It's really the seed of our mind, will, and emotions. We are, you know, we have a body. We possess a soul. We are a spirit. You know, we're a three-part being. Um, but really and, and truly, our, our soul is where so much um, of our reality stems from so much of our lives are lived out of our souls. And so, um, John is really just saying, Hey, you know, you, there is, there is no prospering physically, materially without and beyond the health and wholeness of your soul. So loving your body is a product of a healthy soul, right? Can we just, can we just let that, that truth sit there for a second? That loving our bodies is a product of a healthy soul. Um, and Bill Johnson, the lead pastor of Bethel Church, has this quote that I love. Um, it comes up quite frequently for me, actually. <laughs> and it's, I cannot afford to have a thought about me in my head that God does not have about me. And for many of us, because, you know, self-esteem, body images, self-worth, all of that, plenty of women deal with, many women deal with, dare I say, all women have at some point had to deal with that. Um, it's a facet of identity, I believe. So I, I think most of us can can relate on some level to struggling with loving our external self. Um, but a lot of us have to sort of take the time to go, wait a second, let me, let me scale back and ask ourselves two very important questions. Why do I think this? Or why do I think this way about myself? And who told me that? And those are powerful questions. Who told you that is one of the most powerful sort of metacognition thoughts that you can have, you know, Um, who taught me, who told me that, who said that to me, where did I get that from? Why do I think this way to sort of pause and really just interrupt your thoughts and look and examine them. Um, And so I want to take you guys back to the first time that we have recorded that that conversation ever happened. And it's Genesis 3. 
And Genesis 3, you know, is a, is a part of the creation story. Um, but it starts with now the beast, the serpent was the most subtle beast of the field. And it's talking about Satan, right? Satan was the most subtle beast of the field. And I just want to kind of break this down for you a little bit because um, I think we want to attribute so much power and authority to Satan. You know, a lot of times I've heard my, my spiritual dad has said there are two things that two ways that we can make, you know, critical mistakes with with Satan with the enemy and that's to pay too much attention to him or to pay not enough attention to him um, and so in an, in an effort to be balanced um, I just want to sort of pause here and say you know the only power the enemy has is the power of suggestion that's really all he's got um, and so he 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 does three things his mo is just it's as textbook basic as it can be the first thing that he does is he poses a question he goes, Hey, Eve, did God really say that you would die if you ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just, you know, I'm asking for a friend. I just want to know, you know? And then the second thing that he does is he completely poses a blatant contradiction. He goes, girl, you ain't gonna surely die. That's not even what's gonna happen. And then he, the third thing that he does is he's, he poses an alternate reality. He goes, actually, God's holding back on you. God knows that the day that you eat of that tree, you will become like him, knowing good and evil. And he does not want that, sister girl. He does not want you empowered, okay? And he's talking to her. And that's how he does us. That's exactly what he does to us. So for me, in my journey, I was, you know, my first two years of middle school, maybe. My mom tells me, Jelan, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My mommy said that. She told me that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And the enemy goes, fearfully and wonderfully made? Um, have you seen your nose? Girl, your nose is wide. Have you seen your lips? You have big lips. You remember that kid in class that was like, oh my gosh, your hands are huge. Like, And, and it just was like, oh my goodness. And I remember I started to fold into myself. I started to hide, like literally tried to hide. I had um, a basketball hoodie and it was black. And I wore that thing every day of school for two years. It was like, of course, I had a uniform shirt underneath, but hot, cold, rainy, you know, whatever. Humid, because y'all know humidity is, is a weather type. Like I wore the hoodie. I wore the hoodie. Um, and it was because I was trying to hide. I, I felt like I had these physical defects that were so apparent to everyone else that I needed to put on a hoodie that would just be like this baggy cloud over me to avoid being a target, to avoid someone noticing how messed up and big my hands were or something, you know, and calling it out, you know, and I, I was folding and I, I didn't just fold, um, physically, I think I also started to fold into myself mentally and emotionally. Like I started muting myself. There were times that I really wanted to speak up and have an opinion. And I just felt like I was barred out of having a voice. Like you might say something stupid, Jalon, which you're probably going to say is going to be dumb. And that girl over there is going to make fun of you. Look, she's, she already thinks you're stupid. Like, you know, and, and that was just the mental, that was the cascade. That was the, that was the waterfall of thoughts, you know, that I was dealing with, that I was just, it was just washing over me. You're hideous. You're too tall. Why are you so big? This, this, this just, it was just washing over me constantly. And, um, and that was my reality. That was really, and that was my thought life, right? We talk, we're talking about loving your body and that, that really tinted, but more so tainted, um, colored my view of myself, the thoughts, the suggestions of the enemy. Um, and I, I then picked those up and, and nourished myself on them. I ate them. I ingested them. They became my reality, even though they weren't truth. And um, my spiritual dad is, has this saying, he's like, if you see the devil's mouth moving, he's lying. It's a lie. 
every time he's talking, it's a lie. He's a father of lies and there is no truth in him, right? Um, but our thought lives, what do, what do you do with that, right? Because for so many of us, that is the birthplace of so much of our struggle to love and accept our bodies. Where do you begin? Where do you even begin? Where do you start? What are you supposed to do with that? Especially for so many of us in, in counseling, the, the, the terminology is, is self-talk. Um, Chris Valentin, I think he's the associate pastor at Bethel, um, was reading a study and the study said, um, that we have about 1500 words running through our mind per minute or 1700 words. I'm sorry, 1700 words running through our mind per minute and 1500 of the 1700 are negative. Um, and, and the negativity that we are brewing on the inside of us, like a coffee pot is just, it's, it's coloring everything. And, and it's so interesting to me to think about how all the negativity that's sort of stewing on the inside of us affects not only the way that we see ourselves, but the way that we see people, the way that we um, interpret and view interactions with others and what that means. Because, you know, we make meaning of interactions and we want to act like we know what other people are thinking and why they did what they did. But we don't really know. But just how much of the negativity that we stew, that we that we that we harbor inside of us is affecting our interactions and our perceptions and our self perceptions. Um, but you know, I'm all about giving you guys practical tips, right? So what does this mean? How do you, how do you begin to address this? Um, I would say the first thing that you absolutely need to do is cast down imaginations. The scriptures talk about casting down every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. Um, and two things, the knowledge of Christ is the knowledge of his truth, Right. Um, it's the knowledge of his word. It's the reality that Christ, that Jesus, that the word of God poses and paints for us because that is ultimate reality, right? Like if Satan is a liar, God is only a truth teller, right? He's, that's, that's all he's got. The truth is all he's got. Um, but you cast out imagination. So the enemy is the only power that he has is suggestion. Okay. So he goes, Hey, this is actually what's probably true about you. This is what's true about you. And it's like a little breadcrumb. And we do this Hansel and Gretel thing where we pick it up and we go, oh, yeah, that's true. And we do it with fear. We do it with anxiety. We do it with insecurity. You know, we do it with harboring offense. But especially when it comes to how you see yourself, we pick up just this little piece of bread that he drops and we go, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And we're just picking up all the pieces that he says. And eventually we have this this inner picture, this inner image, right, of how we look, how people see us. They're making fun of us. They're probably going to laugh. We walk out of the house wearing this thing. You know, it's this inner image. It's an imagination. And because the enemy is a liar, lies have no power. The only time that lies have power, that they hold any sway, is when we agree with them. When we agree with the liar, when we agree with the lie, we are empowering that lie. We are empowering the liar. And so disengage, disagree, cast down that imagination, that inner picture of whatever the lie is that Satan has fed you. Cast it down. And the important thing, it's it's not just a casting down of the imagination you absolutely have to replace that lie with truth, right? So the second thing that I absolutely had to do is wrap myself in truth, essentially in the word of God. And so all of us, most of us know the verse, Psalm 139, um, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And um, that's a good one. We all know it, but it's only one, you know, it's only one. And one scripture obviously is powerful, not saying, not to say that that's not a powerful scripture, but I want to give you some others that were useful to me and were helpful to me. Um, so one of them 
uh, the other was Jeremiah 1 5. And it essentially says that God approved of me before, you know, he placed me in my mother's womb before he knit me. He had already approved of me. Um, so all the disapproval, all the shame, all the feelings you have about who you should be and why you aren't that person and you'll never be and you'll never live up to curb. No, God approved of me in my mother's womb before then when he was dreaming up the idea of me. God has never had a bad idea of a person. He was never like, oh my goodness, that one didn't come out so good. Oh, we'll just put it on the assembly line and put it out there. We'll see. No, God has always assembled people and been like, oh, she is bad. Oh, I I outdid myself this time. I totally outdid myself. Each time. That's how it is for him. Each time. Each time. Everyone's amazing. Um, The other one is Ephesians 2.10. And Ella brought this up last week, but it's, we are God's handiwork. We are utterly like his masterpiece, his sculpture. He was like, ta-da-da, like that was how we are his handiwork. We are his creation. We are his masterpiece. And he's so proud of us. He's utterly, amazingly, astonishingly proud of us. The other verse that I love is Colossians 2.10. And Colossians 2.10 says, I am complete in him. And this is one that I have used recently um, for just life season stuff. But also when it comes to your physical body, like, there was nothing missing. There's nothing broken. Um, God made the perfect you. He loves you. Everything was intentional. Everything was purposeful. Everything was by design. You know, whether you hate how stubby your fingers are, or how long your torso is, how short your like, all of it was intentional. It was all like the prototype. Like this, this is how I want it to look in his mind's eye. He was dreaming of you. And it was like, oh, it would be perfect if she looked like this. And believe that. So your mind, your soul, your thought life is essentially like a garden. I know you've heard it said that it's a, it's a battlefield. Love is a battlefield. So is your mind. But your mind is also a garden. And in Song of Solomon, it talks about it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, you know. And so I want to encourage you. Um, a lot of times it's very easy for us to pick up on the huge assaults because they're just so overt. Um, but it's the little thoughts that go unchecked oftentimes that begin to build in us mental and emotional strongholds that begin to wage war against our peace, that wage war against our souls. Um, it's the little ones that go unchecked constantly that just sit there and sit there and sit there and they build a stronghold or they establish a rut in us and we just can't get over the hump. Like we just cannot. It's, it's, it begins a mountain. It begins to be a mountain that we circle around. Um, but when you have the word of God, it is essentially a two-edged sword, right? So it's um, we have the word of God, and it's mighty to pulling down strongholds and and vain, empty philosophies. Like the word of God is your tool; it's your weapon. Put on the whole armor of God, right? You have the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod in the preparation of the gospel. Like assemble yourself in the word and and saturate yourself in the word and begin to renew your mind because it's in the renewing of your mind that you are transformed. Faith is essentially agreeing with what God says. And it feels like going on a limb sometimes to feel like you're beautiful, to feel like you are God's handiwork. It feels like you're stretching your neck out and you're not quite sure if you tumble or if someone's going to slap your hand. You know, it, it can feel like a risk to agree with God. But this is faith, right? And does it feel better to stay in our rut and to continue to believe that we're defective and problematic and no one will love us because, you know, we're not whatever silly thing Satan has told us we have to be to earn love? which is all foolishness and all a lie. Whenever his mouth is moving, it's a lie. <laughs> um, 
But arm yourself with truth, cast down imaginations, fill in those holes and those gaps with the truth, you know, cut down the lies of the enemy. And it's going to take consistency. It's going to take you staying on guard. It's going to take you watching over your thoughts and being intentional. Philippians 4 and 8 says, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are worthy of a good report, whatsoever things bring peace, think on these things. Um, and I want to read you guys a very specific version of that verse um, because I'm a word nerd and I like the way that um, the Amplified Version says Philippians 4 and 8. So Philippians 4 and 8 in the Amplified Version says, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed, important, confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace lovely and brings peace whatever is admirable and of good repute if there is any excellence if there is any wor- anything worthy of praise think continually on these things center your mind on them and implant them in your heart so you heard me say that your heart is a garden right your mind is a garden um implant the truth implant those things that are worthy of praise and plant those things that are lovely, that are just, that are pure, that are righteous. Um, I did an exercise with my kids last week. Um, one of them was like, oh, I can't control my thought life. I don't, you know, I can't, what am I supposed to do? I don't, I can't do that. And so I had them close their eyes and I asked them to imagine a bowl of fruit and it's their favorite fruit. It looks so juicy, so good. Oh my goodness. It's in this beautiful woven basket. And then I go, now I want you to imagine being at a beach. And you smell the salt air, the wind is blowing against your face, the sun is high in the sky, it's a nice day, the waves are crashing, you hear the birds, and I'm painting this picture for them. And then I ask them to open their eyes, and I say, okay, so how many of you guys saw the fruit bowl? They're like, yeah, we saw the fruit bowl. I was like, perfect. How many of you guys saw the beach? Yeah, the beach was great. I was so relaxed. How long did it take you to think from the fruit bowl to the beach? They were like, oh, it took no time whatsoever. It's like, exactly. That's that's the power that you have over your thought life. You can change your thoughts whenever you want to. And so I want to encourage you, exercise your power and your authority. Like there is so much available to you in Jesus. Freedom, enjoyment. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. Enjoy your body because it's bomb. God gave it to you. Love it. Dress it up real cute. Whatever you need to do, you know, makeup, hair, shoes, nails, whatever. Enjoy and embrace the body that God has given you. It's a gift. And so being able to do that is a product of a healthy soul. It's a product of having a thinker, a feeler, and a chooser that's anchored in the word of God that agrees with the truth of the Lord and denies the the lies of the enemy, right? So it's going to take effort. It will take time. But God will give you the strength when it gets tiring. So I want to encourage you guys, walk well in loving your body. And hit me up on social media. Let me know how you how you guard your thought life as it relates to loving your body. Um, and share your tips with other women in this community of uh, well walkers. I'll talk to you guys next week. 